Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. For Cryptocurrent, my name is Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in cryptocurrency news and the biggest things that are sending shockwaves across the world of cryptocurrency and blockchain. I'm joined today again by my co-host, Chris Corneros. Chris, how we doing? Doing great, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's another beautiful day in crypto land, but we've got some uh, drama to talk about. We've got some big news on deck. Um, but before we begin and we get too far into it, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we do these shows every single Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern here on YouTube. But we also recast this show um, two days following each of these events. So our Tuesday show go gets recast on Thursday and our Thursday show gets recast on Saturday via all of our podcast platforms. So you can just follow Cryptocurrent Podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, Again, very big show ahead today. I really just want to dive right in, Chris. Um, we, of course, are talking about this massive news from Crypto.com um, in the arena, naming rights purchase, but a whole lot more is ahead. So let's just go ahead and jump into some buy-seller hodl. Buy, buy, sell, sell, or hodl. hodl. Every time we take you through buy-seller hodl, we are giving you the latest and greatest, and we like to break it down in a way that lets you know whether or not we are bullish, bearish, or just in the middle, and we need to hodl and wait for a story to develop. The first story on deck today, Chris, is this story about one of the Fed governors um, who apparently is not so about a CBDC. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so interestingly enough, uh, one of the Federal Reserve governors, Christopher J. Waller, came out yesterday afternoon and said that he was fully behind stablecoins. He said that, you know, CBDCs, so uh, central bank digital currencies, they weren't really needed in the United States, of course. He's not talking on a broad spectrum. He was more specifically talking about the United States and said that uh, private kind of development of these alternative payment systems like stablecoins specifically is what he was talking about are great sources of innovation and, you know, a great step forward. He didn't think that the U.S. needed a CBDC, mainly because it would kind of hamper innovation and there was no real need for it when you have all these systems in place. Um, and he sees it kind of as this genuine form of payment and currency and an alternative, which is shocking, as I'm sure Steve uh, could tell you. He was surprised when I told him that news because... This is essentially a complete 180 from any sort of government news we've received. 
mean, the most positive really we've heard are, you know, mostly GOP senators kind of coming out uh, and taking a laissez-faire approach to crypto. But this is the first time we have a member of the United States government coming out in outright support of crypto in any form, really. So really exciting news. That being said, he did have three issues. First and foremost was that uh, this, uh, the stablecoins themselves could be potentially destabilizing, where essentially what he's saying is that the unregulated or unscrupulous issuers provide financial instruments that go bad, which would create a panicked flight to safety that extends beyond the initial investors and depositors. Okay. Basically, he's saying that if you have a stablecoin issuer and the assets backing those stablecoins kind of collapse, it's going to freak out everyone who's invested in them. And it could basically create this cascading effect that no one is prepared for. Second, he thought that there could be a potential payment system failure where the responsibility for different payment functions become scattered across the network due to stablecoins decentralization. All right. So kind of looking at the core of crypto as uh, basically an aspect of what uh, could be an issue down the line. And then finally, a risk of scale. And what he means here is that as some of these stable coins become you know, more massive, just grow in their utilization, the amount that they've uh, kind of distributed, that it could lead to a monopoly on the stable coin kind of industry, if you will. Mainly because, you know, look at the top two stablecoins that I'm sure most people hear about in their daily lives, which you have USDT, Tether, and USDC, which is USD coin. Those are the two big boys. Um, and if one kind of edges out the other, then as decentralized as we would like it to be or think of it, the reality is it still is centralized to some degree because it's only one coin as opposed to several. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, there's a lot to get into here, and I, I do want to spend a minute talking about this. As much as people don't necessarily think that stablecoins are like the most exciting news, this is a very interesting development, in my opinion. Um, first and foremost, just to give a little bit of clarity, and Chris, you may you may know this better than I do. I'm pretty sure I know this. Like, there is not just one governor of the Federal Reserve. There is like multiple governors across the board, right? Correct. Yeah, and you. Uh, I may be wrong on this, don't quote me, but it's my understanding, I believe you have something like 13 governors kind of in the same way that you have uh, kind of different federal courts throughout the country. Uh, there are also different Federal Reserve locations, each with its own governor. And then the kind of head of the Federal Reserve, I believe, is located in New York City. So one of 13, I believe. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much as I understood it as well. So let's just go with that understanding first. So this is basically one of 13 that's come out and decided to make a comment on it. Knowing that that's just exactly what it is, it's one of 13, is this massive news for buy, seller, hodl? It's hodl news. That's just my opinion. But if we're taking this apart a little bit more so based on why he's in favor of it and why we should be actually discussing this in the first place, I think it comes down to those three issues in like, taking it apart a little bit because when you mentioned that it is potentially destabilizing part of me immediately thinks they that may be a little bit of a, an aggressive argument against stable coins um the payment system fa failure argument i think that's very simple to argue against because you have the biggest creditors in the world 
have already adopted USDC as a means of paying off debts. You also have the risk of scale issue in that it's already very distributed. Now, could we see in five to 10 years, you know, the, the likes of USDT and USDC joining forces and combining to create one stable? Yeah, potentially that, that could happen. But realistically speaking, a lot of these stables are going to remain separate because they want to provide different routes. Um, you have three on screen right now. If you're joining us via YouTube, the three are USDT, Tether, USDC, and the Paxos dollar. But outside of this, you also have True USD, you have Gemini USD, you have Binance USD, you have so many others, including one that we talked about recently in Magic Internet Money. I'll be real with you. I think that the only chance that we get close to something that would be seen as monopolistic is if Magic Internet Money is successful in what it aims to do in terms of creating a means of exchanging damn near any stable into a market where you can have a unified currency. So risk of scale, I don't necessarily see that as an issue. I don't see that as something that's going to happen. But do I favor this over a CBDC? And if I were you, the listener, would I favor this over a CBDC? Absolutely. 110%. Like we do not need the central banks to get involved in this. We already have um, stable coins that are out there available able to be exchanged for it's just like pick your poison on which one you want to actually utilize um to me that we have finally somebody that is in favor of them in the fed that's a massive win for the stable argument but chris do you think that i guess this fed governor's take is correct or is this just the start of a bigger um argument that we're going to see happen I mean, it definitely is the start of a greater argument, right? This is only one of uh, what we said, 13 uh, Federal Reserve governors. I just looked, I believe he is based out of St. Louis originally. I don't know if he's still there, but just a little background on him. Um, and so it definitely will be the start of a, group, a wider conversation, right? Because the next step here really isn't going to be anyone else in the government, any investors talking about it, the most important discussion will be what he discusses with other Federal Reserve governors, and most importantly, who the Fed chair, um, what they have to say about this. That being said, I agree with you to a point, Steve, um, about the issues. I think the risk of scale is not as big of an issue. I get why he brought it up. My biggest concern, though, uh, is more the payment system failure, because in theory, US or I'm saying USDC, but all stable coins should be backed one-to-one -one with fiat. Agreed. However, every single one of them is not. Uh, the best, actually, so the highest percentage of their stable coin that is backed with fiat currently is USDC, mm -hmm. but they're only about 80%, I think, backed. They still have about 20% uh, with some kind of, I think, index funds and or uh, federal bonds. So. It is definitely risky, right? Because even though USDC is the least risky, I believe, out there right now in terms of its financial backing, there is still a chance that, you know, 20% of their assets disappear overnight. And in which case, you know, there is a problem. Yeah. And look, I, I think that there is a lot to be said of stable coins. But at the very same time, like in this whole decentralized world that we're operating in, there's a bigger thing that needs to be spoken to. And it's just now starting to get addressed. 
and that is that if we want to be decentralized, why are we anchoring our entire system to a USDC-based stablecoin to begin with? And right now, the big project out there that's trying to tackle this exact issue is that of Olympus DAO. So just a name to be putting on your radar, they're essentially trying to be the official reserve currency of the decentralized world. So they're, they're removing themselves from USD terms and creating almost like a central bank from within the DAO that's meant to operate strictly within the metaverse. So it's interesting to me, whether it's buy, sell, or HODL, I still say HODL. Keep your eye out for Olympus DAO, but let's dive into our next set of stories. And this is going to be new for us here. Um, uh, one quick note, Steve, for all our listeners. Um, just so you're clear, Olympus DAO is different from Olympus. Uh, Olympus itself is a rebase coin, Olympus DAO, a Correct. stable coin. If you want to learn more about rebase coins, uh, there's a Crypto Basics with Chris K video up on our YouTube channel. You can go check that out and learn what a rebase coin is and why you probably want to stay very far away from them. Yeah, perfect pitch. Um, appreciate you doing that video again. Go up and take a look at that. It'll teach you more about um, rebase, of course, and also uh, what Olympus is up to at large. In our next piece of buy, seller, hodl for the week, what we're going to start doing here um, on buy, seller, hodl on Thursdays is we're going to bring you a specific NFT update segment. And this is what has been going on in NFTs this week. Um, obviously, NFTs are still one of the hottest parts of the crypto market, and it's just starting to heat up now that the market's been in a slight decline. Um, so we're going to cover a couple stories real quick. And the biggest of which, in my opinion, is the Discord made an announcement earlier on in the week or earlier on last week that came across the wires in a much bigger way, much closer towards the weekend, where they were announcing and tipping the hat at integrating with NFTs via MetaMask until they weren't. Um, Chris and I discussed this at length a little bit, but they pulled back on this namely because they were getting an absolute Twitter war from people who think that crypto is completely um, environmentally not friendly. And what was the other argument, Chris, that um, they were making? That, that was the main one. Um, TLDR, uh, this was essentially the crypto bro community on Twitter versus the furry community. Now, for 99% of the people on the planet, the furry community, you know, is irrelevant to your daily life. For Discord, for the internet community, I'll call it, right? So gamers, influencers, the furry community is very important because they operate almost entirely online. And their main form of communication happens to be Discord. And while Discord is massive enough, now worth billions of dollars, to kind of withstand that departure, it is still a sizable enough departure where they're going to listen to that part of their user base and say, okay, if there's this much pushback, we're not going to force this feature in yet. Okay. Yeah. And it's, I think it's almost inevitable that they go, that they're going to do this um, at some point. And what people need to understand is that like this move is not bad for the environment in any way, form or fashion. One of the biggest issues with Discord right now is, especially with bigger servers, we are seeing more and more that these servers are able to be hacked. Okay, so people are getting in, posing as the um, account admins, and making 
fraudulent statements, but also directing them to phishing links. So that's a really big deal. And authenticating via an encrypted um, access point in Web3 actually alleviates that issue with um, being able to hack around the system and create fraudulent access points. So interesting bit. Another really quick one that happened in the NFT world this past week, Sotheby's announced that they're officially going to be accepting Ethereum bids on future auctions. This is huge because you've probably seen in the past that um, Sotheby's has been auctioning off higher and higher value NFTs, including you know, the works of Beeple and Board Ape Yacht Club, and even some of the bigger, higher profile um, art blocks pieces like Fidenza and Ringers. So the fact that people will be able to actually bid anything from you know, here forward is a very big deal for this. The next piece has to do with Board Ape Yacht Club. And to say that it's been going bananas across the past week is an understatement. Um, you have new members into um, Basie, including uh, Jimmy Fallon, Post Malone, and even BitBoy, who announced he bought a uh, Board Ape yesterday. But you also have um, Jimmy.eth coming out and saying that he actually signed a deal with Universal Music Group that's going to bring four of his apes together into a band called Kingship. And Kingship is going to be releasing music and will be a big performing entity in the metaverse in the near future. That is a really compelling story to me, Chris. Like, I really, really like this story. Um, yeah, it, it's really cool. And I mean, if you haven't, for anyone listening, uh, recently Gary V came out, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, if you don't know him large uh, kind of business influencer, I think would be the best way to describe him. Uh, you'll see clips of him everywhere, even if you don't want to. Um, but he came out recently and said that, you know, NFTs are the future of the music industry because for the longest time, uh, the record labels, they were the capital, essentially, that were investing in these acts, providing them with money to go and record in studios, go on tour, etc. But now you have these artists who you know, they can come up on SoundCloud, on TikTok, whatever, they can grow their brand, create music, and then rather than use a distributor like a record label, they could come out and just mass release it uh, via NFT, which I believe it was Tyga who did earlier this year. I can't remember who. A few of them did actually, but like in any event, like it is going to disrupt a lot of industries. It's not just going to disrupt music, but it's important to understand that you have big influencers like Gary Vee out there that are speaking not just in favor of NFTs and the impact it's going to have on the greater world, but the fact that he's willing to point out right now that it's going to directly impact the way the music industry works is a very, very big deal because it means that that's going to be one of the first places that we start to see this impact being made. Um, the final piece out of the Board Ape Yacht Club news is that Board Ape Yacht Club is going to be debuting a mobile game soon. Um, which I think is very, very interesting. I'm not necessarily sure the full utility behind it, but it's my understanding that high scores will, in fact, um, be kind of like a play-to-earn type model. So I'm interested to see how that deploys. But that is what we have. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one other piece to NFT update I wanted to mention. That was the ENS airdrop um, from last week. We only briefly mentioned it on last week's um, Tuesday episode with Richard. But that ENS airdrop that went out was for the Ethereum name service holders who basically went and bought an Ethereum um, domain so they could buy, you know, Jimmy.eth, BoardAPYachtClub.eth, Stevemiller.eth, which I own, I don't even try. Um, but if you bought it and you registered and 
.eth domain via um, ENS before October 31st, you were airdropped tokens that are basically in, um, a piece of their governance network. It's in their initiative to fully decentralize ENS. That token is now basically valued, like that airdrop for most people is valued somewhere in five figures. For some people, it was an airdrop worth six figures. Um, that is absolutely insane to me. And I still can't believe that it happened. But what people need to be aware of out here is that more of these airdrops are coming. This is like not the first one that's done it. Uniswap was one of the most successful prior. Um, but we're bound to see others. And the one that I want to make sure everybody's aware of before we move forward is MetaMask. That was tipped a little while ago. So just as a public service announcement, if you have not used MetaMask in your browser to exchange cryptocurrencies, I highly recommend that you at least do two transactions. Um, this is coming from insider sources from Consensus, who owns MetaMask currently. But essentially, they're right now theorizing that that token airdrop is going to be dependent on you utilizing the underlying DeFi architecture that MetaMask has built in right now. So pretty interesting stuff. But the other top stories we want to just quickly bring to your attention, Chris, I want you to lead this one off because you loved this piece. Yeah, so Burger King partnered up with Robinhood. And if you are uh, a member of their rewards program, so you need the Burger King application on your phone, um, and then you have to join, it's like the King Club or something, something along those lines. Do you buy, you know, spend at least $5 in the app before a certain date, I forget which, uh, you have a chance to win a certain amount of crypto that will be sent to your Robinhood account. This is a, seems like a big deal. And I initially thought it was, and then I thought about it again. And I realized, well, it's through Robinhood. So not your keys, not your crypto. And it's through Robinhood. So they're probably shelling out about $20 million to try and get people back into using their platform to trade crypto because they've seen something like a 50% dip in crypto trades over the last quarter and a half or so. And that made up over 50% of their revenue. So just a little piece as to why this is happening. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting piece of news for how crypto is starting to touch the real world. Um, but again, I, I don't read too much into it. I, I think it's interesting, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's culturally relevant for sure. Um, but in our other top stories this week, Harmony One officially launched their trustless Ethereum bridge today. Um, that's pretty exciting news for everybody in the Harmony One ecosystem. Um, Polkadot also today is finalizing its vote on updating its branding and its brand identity um, assets, which is kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure why they'd want to mess with that right now when they have all of their parachain auctions, their first set of parachain auctions uh, finalizing. More on that in a second. But also um, the big, this one's insane to me, um, Miramax, the massive film studio behind a lot of your favorite films, including Pulp Fiction, is suing Qu Quentin Tarantino for issuing an NFT from Pulp Fiction. It's the dumbest case I've seen this cycle. Um, this is, frankly, like him doing this was great news for Miramax because nobody considers them a viable or relevant studio today. Whereas back in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were still big, right? Um, so the fact that they're going after Quentin Tarantino for issuing an NFT of like 
basically content from Pulp Fiction that hit the cutting room floor, um, it seems stupid to me. It's really dumb. Oh yeah, but, that's that's not a suit they'll win. And typically, you would think, oh, it's a you know, it's a studio going up against an individual. They they're gonna win. This is also one of the greatest, most legendary living directors. Uh, yeah. He has the capital to fight this and probably win. So, I mean, Chris, when did Pulp Fiction come out? Wasn't that in the late '80s or early '90s? Yeah, I mean, early '90s at the latest. Yeah, I mean, this, movie's been this out a while. Fi- yeah, this film is in the public domain at this point, at least for the way that I understand it. Like, it is a cultural piece. He has every right to do this. It was stuff that didn't even make the movie. Um, If anything, the people that are featured in it, like the actors that are featured in it, they may have more of a case than Miramax does, but Miramax definitely doesn't have a case. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just insanity. So enough about that. I just think it's an insane piece that's come out this week. Next, back to the Polka Dot News. Akala Network is officially the first Polkadot parachain. Um, they managed to secure earlier today. And essentially what this means is that Akala Network will be able to f- um, fully deploy on um, Polkadot, I believe as soon as, it was December 1st was the date that they had targeted. But if you are not totally familiar with Akala, they are going to essentially try to control all of DeFi within Polkadot and be one of the most significant players there. And a bunch of other DeFi protocols will likely be built on top of it or in uh, the relay chains that stem off of Akala's parachain. Um, Again, the other one that you may have heard of beforehand is its Kusama sister project, um, where they were basically testing all the Akala features and functionality prior to rolling out on Polkadot. And that was a project called Karura. So last but not least, this came across the wire about an hour and a half ago. And that is that India has made the decision that they're going to ban making payments in crypto. But they will be approving and regulating crypto asset trading. So on the whole, does this mean that there's like a massive impact to the crypto markets because India's banned something? No. If you start seeing articles that are really highlighting the banning of crypto in India, it's FUD. Because the reality is, is this is them saying we are definitively going to call cryptocurrencies an asset. Yeah. And another piece about that, so if you read into it just a little beyond the headlines, the bigger news of this more is there's actually kind of this whole debate and argument going on in the Indian parliament, where I think it was either the prime minister or you know one of their more majority leaders was annoyed that Basically, none of the Indian politicians actually want to put a label on it or do anything. This is just more kind of the upper echelons of their political system wanting to just force something out. So for all we know, this could completely flip later and they go back to approving, making payments in crypto. So don't read into this too much. It's just a piece of news that should be on your radar. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, this is them saying that we want to, again, continue to control power. Like, that's the reason why we're doing this, because we're going to issue a CBDC. Pretty simple. I mean, that's that's the clearest flag out of this, because why would they otherwise kill every other, you know, cryptocurrency in terms of payment? Well, because they want you to use a different payment source. Pretty clear. So that's going to wrap up Buy, Sell, or Hodl for us this week. If you want to hear more about any one of these stories, please do us a favor, drop into the comments or into the chat. Let us know what you think. 
Um, we will be around to talk about it more and expand or expound in any way that you would like us to. But if we missed a story, please also bring that to attention. We'd love to cover the stuff that you guys are wanting to hear more about. So again, get in touch with us. You can go at us on Twitter, on Instagram, or even get to both Chris or I directly via at Steve Miller underscore PHX on Twitter for me and via at It's Mikus on Twitter for Chris. But that is going to, again, do it for Buy, Sell, or Hoddle. Let's dive into our next segment this week, um, which is going to be the Aftershock. So every week here on Cryptocurrent Live on our Thursday show, we bring you the Aftershock, which is the biggest story that is sending shockwaves across the crypto world. This week, we've got a banger. We're talking about Crypto.com, who just scored the naming rights to Staples Center. That is where the LA Lakers play. That is where the LA Kings play. That is where the LA Clippers play. That is where the LA Sparks play. Arguably one of the sports meccas of our country. So, <laughs> where to begin, where to begin? Um, anywhere other than price seems a little bit silly, so let's get into the details. The agreement is a 20-year deal worth $700 million. How, like, how is this happening? Right? Like, this is, this is crypto entering the public zeitgeist in a brand new way. And I am just, I can't. Like, this is really, really cool to me. It's, it's wild. And one thing, so I was thinking about this. This is a huge deal in sports until you think about sports like F1, because if you average this out, it's $35 million a year, give or take, uh, for the naming rights. If you were to be the main name sponsor of a Formula One team, it's something around like 60 to $75 million a year. So although it's the biggest naming rights deal in history, what that actually means is it's the biggest naming rights deal single value on a piece of paper doesn't mean it's the highest per year or anything like that still an obscene amount of money and i have a lot of very good opinions on why crypto.com made the, the right move but we'll get into that a little later yeah we'll we'll tackle that in a minute there's a lot that we want, we plan on expanding into in this story um the biggest piece of which actually has very little to do with stable center and a lot more to do with crypto marketing budgets so we're going to get into more on this in a minute but I will tell you that in my opinion, the reason why this is a really, really big deal is because that to me actually sounds like a steal. Why? Because in addition to just having the naming rights on the actual building, it also in the paperwork makes them the official crypto partner of the LA Lakers, the LA Clippers, the LA Kings, and the LA Sparks. So... I mean, that on its own, like you have all of these athletes that again are massive icons in the sport, LeBron James for the Lakers, Anthony Davis for the Lakers, you have Paul George for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard when he's playing basketball for the Clippers, um, you have people playing hockey, I don't care about that sport, and then you have the LA Sparks, which again is the WNBA and I respect that, but still, these are the biggest teams in sports arguably. Um, with massive histories. I mean, the Staples Center didn't change its naming rights since 1999. 
Okay. Yeah. It's literally been the Staples Center since 99. And here we are in 2021. And it's going to be taken over by a crypto company. Um, so yeah. the deal is clearly in excess of what FTX paid for the Miami Heat arena. Granted, um, Miami is still a big market team. I wouldn't say it's LA. Um, and at the same time, in that deal, it's for a shorter period. It's not for 20 years. I think it's 10. Yeah, um, I think it's half of it. Yeah. And an interesting part of the partnership with all those teams is their official partner, right? I believe Webull is the official partner of the NBA's uh, in terms of trading or something. So you see on all the jerseys, the Webull logo or on a lot of jerseys at least. Now you'll start seeing Crypto.com logo. But more yep. interestingly is that uh, it's either this season or next, but maybe towards the latter half of this NBA season, the LA Clippers are moving to their own stadium. So even though Crypto.com isn't naming that stadium, the LA Clippers will still be wearing jerseys that have the crypto.com logo and advertising all over it. So that is a that is the bigger steal to me, right? They basically got a two for one deal for a team that's about to leave. And granted, for what I understand, it's actually until the Clippers leave the building. So that got deal okay. that deal executes when the Clippers leave. However, you still have it on one of the most recognizable jerseys in the world right? Absolutely. And that's the Lakers. So that's, that's really, really big deal. But as much as like, this is a huge deal for crypto. Um, interesting on the other side of things, local fans are really against this. I mean, really against this in the same way that like people refuse to refer to the Sears Tower as Willis Tower now that it's referred to as the Willis Tower, that's or true. Ladybird Lake in Austin. They refuse to refer to it as Ladybird Lake. They they would rather refer to it as Town Lake. This type of stuff is a big deal, but I think that um, Los Angelinos, as I think they're referring to themselves these days, they need to just get their head out of their butt because like this is this is a huge deal. But Staples Center has been around for. I mean, almost 30 years. I mean, yeah, well, sorry, no, because they the team formed in the 80s. But still, like, they had a different team name for 10 years. Sorry, not team name, stadium name for 10 years. That's not a big deal. It just isn't. So they had Staples Center. Now it's Staples Center for 30 years or 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. That's how math works. That's not a long period of time. No. It just isn't. So the whole fervor that the community has behind it and Paul George's dumb commentary about how it'll always be Staples Center to me. Like, bud, you're going to be in the NBA for another three years and then you're going to retire and nobody's going to really care about your opinion, right? Yeah. That's the truth. But the bigger piece is that this uh, name change will actually be going official mid-season. So they're going to be officially Crypto.com Arena, official December 25th of this year. So believe they have a home Christmas game then. So that was probably part of the reason. Oh, but yeah. another interesting thing, right? And this is my kind of reading between the lines takeaway is I am sure that both sides of, you know, the Lakers business team, crypto.com's business team realized, of course, everyone is still going to call it the Staples Center. That's all they're going to be thinking of it as. And they're all going to tweet about it and write articles about it. Because we've seen sports journalists all over the world write articles about it. People that aren't as invested in sports are talking about it. 
either they love crypto and like it, they hate crypto and hate it. But at the end of the day, this is more free marketing for crypto.com. All they have to do, obviously, they shelled out a lot of money. But now you have essentially the entirety of American sports media focused on this one topic, giving crypto.com a ton of free press. And that to me is a massive win for them, right? Beyond FTX, like it was a big deal when FTX Arena was named, I think it was about 300 million. Um, but then you, you know, go and look at this, right? Like they spent a lot more money, basically are taking over, you know, one of the two most well-known basketball franchises in history, right? Them and the Knicks, Celtics maybe, but those are pretty much the three biggest names in basketball in terms of history. They spent 700 million, you know, with you take inflation and all these other things into account. 20 years from now, this is going to be seen as one of the greatest marketing investments of all time. Yeah. It's genius on their part. And, you know, I think if this were a, you know, either or a versus between FTX and crypto.com, I think crypto.com, Steve, has really been winning the marketing battle right now. They've made all of the right moves in my mind. I've known about them for a while, but it seems like a lot of the mainstream media and even a lot of people in crypto really are only just really understanding what they're all about because they're making this huge investment in marketing. Oh, yeah. And like, let's get it very, very clear. Based on the moves that I've been seeing through the last few months, like let's just go back through the World Series, right? There has been no bigger winner than Crypto.com. A lot of people thought that what FTX was doing was really impressive. But ever since we started seeing Jason Bourne on television talking about, you know, fortune favors the, the brave or something like that, like everybody's talking about crypto.com. They're getting their IP in front of a lot of people by integrating into the NBA, into the MLB. Like, I mean, and they're going to keep going head to head with FTX. And guess what? Coinbase is still very much in the equation. So the amount of marketing spend, I couldn't find the number prior to this, but like we are finally seeing crypto relevant companies taking marketing extremely seriously. And I really appreciate that because not only is that going to lead us down the road towards mass adoption a lot faster, but we could really start seeing industries being born out of this that you would have never expected. Like this is going to be seen as like one of the biggest catalysts for development and innovation in our country. You know, at the very least in the last like 50 years, by the time that this is all said and done, like it's going to inspire people to be crypto traders, get involved in the decentralized game, start developing things in the metaverse of their own. I mean, you you go around the NBA and go around sports, like you have Steph Curry owning, you know, Board Apes. He's also a um, a sponsored athlete of FTX. You have Tom Brady as an ambassador of FTX. You have um, FTX being advertised in the World Series, on the pitcher's mound, with their crazy AR mapping tech that they developed, which still blows my mind. <laughs> um, but you will be seeing Crypto.com a lot more uh, frequently. And throughout this year, if you're watching the NBA, you're also seeing Coinbase quite frequently because they are the official partner of the NBA for as a crypto exchange. So yeah, I am impressed 
But what I will tell you, Chris, is that I think that this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, oh, a- absolutely. One thing I want to note is, is you know, the, it's good to see a lot of these, a lot of crypto companies take marketing seriously and invest, right? It's definitely a turn away from more traditional crypto, which is, to put it bluntly, that a lot of people in crypto rave about the financial freedom and how this democratizes everything, but they also all gatekeep the industry, right? You talk to most of these, I'll call them crypto tinfoil hats, the people buried very deep in these, quite frankly, ridiculous projects. And they're like, oh, no one else understands this. I'm a genius. You know, I don't want these other people involved. That's not good. You don't grow an industry by keeping people out of it, especially when the entirety of your industry at the end of the day is an investment opportunity. But the good news is that these crypto companies are taking it seriously now. And the better news is that they are good crypto companies. These are blue chip brands that aren't going to be able to rug pull and just disappear because that is the last thing you want to see. More crypto marketing is not always necessarily a good thing because if it's not a great project and they do a massive, massive marketing push, like we saw with Save the Kids in back in June, July, where they had a lot of influencers kind of pump their coin and then rug pulled, right? That is a bad look for crypto. It basically plays to all the FUD and fears that mainstream media, traditional investment opportunities have about crypto. But when you have massive blue chip exchanges like FTX, Crypto.com, and Coinbase, that is a good thing because they are well run. They are inevitably going to be regulated, but will stay inside the regulations and won't push back too much, right? More than they should. That is a good thing. It's a good look for crypto and inevitably will make all of our investments worth that much more. Oh, yeah. And that was actually going to lead to my next question because, like, I think that. The last piece that we need to take apart here before we um, sign off for this episode is having to do with like, okay, we see this happening. We're, we've talked a little bit about like how this is going to work as a catalyst for the industry and you know within the world. But there are two things I want to know your take on, and I'll share mine if you're curious about it at the very end. But the first is, is this going to be a catalyst for price as we go into the end of this run? Because I think that at large, you can say this amount of money may impact that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it will be a a catalyst for price to some degree, right? It's not going to be the be all end all. You won't see, you know, another crazy bull run from this, but you will see certain coins pump. Some of those coins include crypto.com coin, which already, by the way, is up about 500% since June because. A, it was at like 10 cents a coin. It's the coin you use. The more you hold, the better staking rewards you get in Crypto.com's app. But it also partnered with Coinbase, and you can now buy and trade CRO, C-R-O, that is the Crypto.com coin, on Coinbase. And that is a huge piece as to why we saw about, a, you know, basically a 20-cent pump from where it was a month ago. So you'll see it to some degree. That being said, not all of these announcements will affect every coin, and you can't expect them to. Mm-hmm. And I want to leave you all with that. Yeah, I think that the one thing that I kind of am left thinking about is like, you know, the, the market sentiment chart where it's like, you know, what leads to the true blow off top? The true blow off, blow off top is built in, you know, by retail FOMO. 
they don't want to miss it at the very end. So if we're going to stick with this theory that the blow-off top is coming at the end of this year, maybe like in December towards the end, which is my current theory, this lines up really well because this is going to put crypto in front of a lot more eyes right when crypto is looking for that retail FOMO to blow the top off. Um, it could easily go into next year as well because, what, the finals take place in February? Something like that? Oh, no, NBA finals are next June. Really? That far away? Mm-hmm. Wild. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's, because they, that's because they had the condensed season last season. That's right. Yeah, yeah, their COVID kind of threw a wrench into everything. Um, yeah, I'm just being reminded that COVID happened. Crazy, I never would have thought. I forgot about that. And interesting, um, you were talking about you know the end of this year, the end of December, as when that next blow off top comes, because a year ago, right, was a, basically all of crypto was as a whole about half of where it is now, and then January happened and everything exploded. And so I think it would be a good estimation or guess to assume that, wow, maybe a year later, we see that again, especially after this major marketing push by massive, massive blue chip exchanges. Yeah. And again, like there's a theory out there that right now is saying that, you know, this could in fact, like we could get the blow off top for Bitcoin in closer to February. But guess what? There are just as many catalysts out there that would catalyze retail FOMO to go insane as there are here if there's a December push. Because guess who's going to be advertising at the Super Bowl? First weekend of February. I would be hard-pressed to think that Coinbase, FTX, and Crypto.com are not very prepared to buy ad space for the Super Bowl next year. Uh, But the last thing that I think this is actually going to end up being a catalyst for is increasing the amount of attention and commentary that we end up having in the regulatory space as well. Um, it's something that, again, like I, I like to think that we end up talking about regulatory a little bit more on our Tuesday shows, but we're constantly bringing up these little topics that are tied to crypto regulation because it's important. It's going to determine our freedom in the future to invest in and take part in the building out of Web3. So, in my opinion, I'm curious what you think. Do you think that we're going to end up seeing this whole massive marketing push because we're well into the billions of dollars now in terms of the overall number? Do you think that this is going to light a further fire under regulators to have a real discussion about this considering it's coming to the public eye just this much more? I don't think it will yet. Right, I think, especially in the United States right now, you have basically you have this massive one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill that doesn't really go into effect for a while, but that is still going to be the primary focus of regulators and politicians in this country through January at the very least, and then after that, right, in February, you have the Super Bowl, and for those who don't know. Basically, every single person in America is either watching the Super Bowl or will hear about it. And so politicians are obviously included in that, especially when a very large chunk of them are from the southern United States, where traditionally football is a huge deal. 
Oh, yeah. And so you're going to get a lot more eyes on it from politicians and regulators who probably, quite frankly, right now don't really think of it as something too serious, but it will put it back on the forefront right after this infrastructure bill is kind of put to bed. Yeah, no question. Well, look, guys, that's going to do it for the Aftershock this week. If you enjoyed this segment, please let us know in the comments. And again, if this is your first time viewing us on YouTube, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, leave a comment. We want to get feedback from you in the best way that we can so that we can continue to improve this show for you. Um, again, we do this show every uh, Tuesday and Thursday now at 7 p.m. Eastern. We also bring out brand new interview content every Monday and Friday. So you can sit down and hear from Richard um, speaking with a number of industry experts and guests from all across crypto. But that is, in fact, going to do it for us this week for Cryptocurrent Live. Uh, we, again, really appreciate you being here. Just one final note. Um, if you missed it earlier on this week, on Monday, we had Riddick Duda sit down with Richard from Sublime Finance talking about crypto lending. And then tomorrow, Richard is sitting down with Christopher Lesoit from Request Finance, which is an asset management protocol. But also next week, we have two great episodes coming up that I want to make sure you're aware of, one of which comes out on Monday with Ingo Rube from discrete identity representation protocol called Kilt, and then also Leighton Emmons who is coming to us from an NFT project called Blockchain Boys Club, which is basically a, an NFT that's trying to unite alpha seekers, people that want to be way ahead of the curve in terms of large investment plays where they can make a lot of freaking money. So any final announcements from you? Do we have any other short form content coming up that you want to share? Yeah, so we'll, next Wednesday, we'll have another episode of Crypto Basics with Chris K exclusively on our YouTube channel. Topic to be determined. I guess you'll just have to tune in to find out. But that's all it, all from me today, Steve. Awesome. Well, look, you again can always find us online um, via socials at underscore cryptocurrent underscore or on Instagram at cryptocurrent underscore. You can also find all of our articles and our great editorial content up at crypto-current.co. I have been Stephen Miller. You can follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. He's been Chris Corneros. You can follow him at It's Mikus. It's been great hanging out with you. Do us a favor. Stay cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time. Bye.